Hey, this is Sam for Dobbs. If you need tires, hop on our website, go to Dobbs.com. We'll save you time searching brands, sizes, and prices, and save you money because we sell tires at the lowest price in town, guaranteed. For deals you can use, click on go to Dobbs.com now. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is a Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Character and Smallman's Fresh Take. Powered by Schnucks. Eat good to feel great at Schnucks on 101 ESPN. 806 with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Today, Kirk Gibson Day, all day on MLB Network. Kind of a shaky program decision on my part. Randy. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm just thinking that that's the case. <laughs> I don't even have anything to respond All with, right. Randy. Okay. <laughs> we're hoping that MLB will reach an agreement soon. We're, we're hoping that players will make a representative, responsible counteroffer to the ridiculous owner's offer when they come back with an offer, presumably by tomorrow. And Michelle, Jeff Passan of ESPN, we've talked a lot about uh, having a sense of urgency and Jeff Passan isn't so sure that that exists. There is a level of urgency that should exist and there is a level of urgency that does exist. And the two should be one and the same. They have not been though. Remember, Major League Baseball originally was going to go to the Players Association with an economic proposal more than two weeks ago. They scuttled that and eventually came around to this one which landed with a thud with the players. If they want to get back to spring training in the middle of June as Major League Baseball's plan outlines, and if they want to have opening day in the first week of July, on the 4th of July perhaps, they're going to have to get something done very quickly. And there is a dark temptation to believe that this thing could go sideways. This is the first proposal. When we get to the third and fourth, maybe then, if there's still issues, there'll be problems. June 1st is this weekend, and they'd like to open up spring training by June 10th or 11th. Mm -hmm. So the clock is ticking, and it's ticking fast. Anytime I read one of the the new bits of information that gets leaked out of these negotiations or Max Scherzer's comments, whatever is being said by people in the know or people involved in this, I start to panic. I feel a sense of urgency. We talked last week and the week before saying, wow, they, they have about 10 days. Okay, then maybe another 10 days. And it seems like you would have liked to down as we go down this road see both parties get closer to an agreement and it seems like they're getting further and further apart and when we look at a july 4th start date when we're looking at players suggesting hey we'll play more games okay great if you're going to do that you need to reach a settlement you need to reach an agreement essentially right now for you to be able to have spring training 2.0 get ready and start these games and if owners are being honest when they say it'll cost us less to not play than to pay the full prorated salary, which is apparently what players are going to come back with. If that is true, then owners should just say, because they're the ones that can cancel a season, look, it's not going to be worth our while to do it after X date. So if we aren't, if we don't have a deal by 
X date, whether that's June 1st, June 3rd, whatever, then we are playing. And they're the ones that can apply a deadline. And the, the best way to get a result is to apply a deadline. Yeah. You want to talk about a sense of urgency? If you can circle a date on the clock and realize that the clock is ticking, you're going to feel every one of those seconds go by until that date comes. The NBA doesn't seem to have the same sorts of problems that baseball is having. As a matter of fact, they aren't talking about money. They haven't really put together a plan yet like the NHL for a postseason, but they do know where they're going to be. And yesterday they determined, well, they, they at least revealed that they're setting up a situation where at Disney, where there won't be any lines when they're playing, uh, they'll be able, the <laughs> players, to bring their families. Ramona Shelburne of ESPN. From what I've gathered, like, the league hasn't pushed back on that. I think everybody understands, like, it doesn't make sense initially when you have a lot of people there and you have a lot of teams there. But you start getting down to when you have eight teams left or four teams left, like, that, it would make some sense. So, you know, I think, think about it as, like, probably after the first round of the playoffs, whatever that would be, first round, maybe after the second round, depending on, you know, how, how they decide to implement this. And it's not like we're talking about bringing a whole bunch of people. We're talking about maybe bringing your wife and children, maybe bringing a, a friend. That's it. And those people would then have to go be in the bubble and be subjected to the same type of screening and testing and, and safety protocols that everyone in the bubble is subjected to. I really like the fact that they're doing this. And if you want to get players in, a, most normal players, I would think, Maybe not in a comfort zone. Then having their player, their families there, and especially having their kids there, yeah. I think is going to benefit them greatly and make it a more comfortable situation. I completely agree, and I love to hear that that is where the NBA and the NBA players are at in these discussions because. That seems like you're pretty far down the road if you're negotiating who is going to be living in the bubble, who is going to be there in addition to the players and the staff. That means that we're probably going to get some sort of a statement from Adam Silver soon. I would imagine the way we did from Gary Bettman in the NHL saying this is what we've agreed to. And I wouldn't be surprised if the NBA took it a step further. And when they do announce this, say this is the date that we plan on doing it. Because it seems like they've gotten pretty far down the road here and a lot of these logistics are hammered out. Now it's time for our real fresh take, Michelle. Uh, text 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. Syrup is a food group. Is it? Buddy the Elf says you've got candy, candy canes, mm -hmm. candy corn, mm -hmm. and syrup as the four food groups. Right. I am inclined to lean with Buddy the Elf. It's a well-rounded diet. It really is. Um, you know, like I said last segment, Randy, I practice syrup in moderation, strictly because the vehicle in which I'm putting the syrup on tends to get messed up. If you over-syrup your pancakes, they're going to get soggy. If you over-syrup your waffles, it's going to get caught in those waffle pockets, which can be a bad dining experience sometimes. French toast, I think you can pretty much syrup up. It's bread. I mean, it's right. fine. That's really the outlier here. But yeah, that's why I practice syrup in moderation. It's not because I don't enjoy syrup or respect it as one of Buddy the Elf's essential food groups here. It's because I don't want the vehicle, which I'm enjoying, to be ruined in some way. Totally understand. A couple of other important points here. Number one, this from the 314. Bananas foster pancakes or waffles, a must try. And you're on board with that. Bananas foster is awesome. And I've never had those two things combined, but I'm so down to try it. I think you can do it at uh, IHOP, if I'm not mistaken. I'm in. And also, from the 314, the Cinnamon Swirl French Toast at Spring Garden in Collinsville is amazing. I have not been to Spring Garden, but that's what I make, the Cinnamon Swirl French Toast. The baked French Toast is with 
raisin cinnamon bread. It's good. That sounds amazing. You know, when I was a kid, before a big test or a big day, my mom would make me pancakes or French toast or something. She would say it's brain food. You know, yeah. you, you need to get a good base for the day. And I think maybe we should start that, Randy. I know you've been having an omelet every morning, but it seems like maybe we need to get more carbs in our day. A, a, a base breakfast with some syrup on it to really propel us through Something the day. That sticks to the ribs, yeah, exactly. as, as they say. And I'm always happy when somebody recognizes that I've been around a while. Uh, from the 314, Randy with the veteran waffle drop on the cherry pie topping. <laughs> well done, Randy. That uh, And I feel like that's a, a, a veteran move. Yeah, it's a veteran play by you. Thank you. And then somebody who's stays up all night. This is another one from the 314. Uh, Grand Marnier on French toast. Ooh, Grand Marnier. Now that is, uh, that if you're reaching the end of your evening and you're going with the French toast and put the Grand, Grand Marnier on it, yeah, I can see that. But not when you're waking up in the morning. That's a, and, and that's a getting home at six in the morning kind of a dish. I'm not going to discriminate on some Grand Marnier. Oh, I'm no, not. you can't. I'm just say, pointing out when. You no, know, but, I mean, Randy, it's you can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. That's a great point. And you know what I mean? What a better way to do it than combine it with your breakfast. Point well taken. <laughs> Those are your fresh takes on 101 ESPN. Michelle and Randy, coming up, we're going to talk... Ta- that man, 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 man. We're going to head into the Blues booth with our buddy, the Hall of Famer, Bernie Federico, next on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. This is Carriker and Smallman. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. The Blues booth presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. The home show sale is going on now at Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Update your home with savings on all types of flooring, including solid, reclaimed, wide plank, and more. Visit one of the showrooms in Crestwood, Manchester, St. Peter's, or or online at BoardWalkHardwood.com. BoardWalk Hardwood Floors. Great floors for every home. With better selection, better value, and the best service. Michelle and Randy with you on 101 ESPN. Let's head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and the Hall of Famer, the analyst for the Blues on FS Midwest, Bernie Federico, kind enough to join us, as he does every week in the Blues booth. Good morning, Mr. Federico. How are you today? I am good. Thank you, Randy. How about you guys? We are good, Bernie. We want to ask you a kind of an out-of-the-box question out of the gate here. Randy and I, in the last segment, were having a debate about French toast, waffles, or pancakes. So if you were going to power rank those three, what is, what's this at the top for you? Oh, boy. I would probably go waffles, pancakes, French toast. That's exactly what I have, too. And uh, what's your reasoning there? <laughs> You know what? I really am not a big fan of French toast for whatever reason. I, I, we have that occasionally, but uh, you know what? Pancakes, uh, I like, uh, but waffle. I've been mean, just the crunchiness of the waffles. I think uh, gives me the uh, <laughs> that's the the first take. But I, I really don't have them very often. I don't know why, but. <laughs> Uh, I'll go with the waffles. That's exactly the reasoning that I had for the waffles. And this is an in-depth conversation that we've had throughout the show this morning. (laughs) One other question that I have for you, and you'd be an expert on this. Is there a difference between syrup in Canada, because we always read about Canadian maple syrup and Mm -hmm. things like that, and the United States? Well, you know what? Yes and no. I mean, I, I don't really, I mean, the real Canadian maple syrup is really, really thick. It's, I mean, we used to have it, I think it was called Rogers Golden Syrup. When, when, as a kid, we used to have it all the time. It was really, really thick. But I think maple syrup is maple syrup as far as the, that goes, whether you get it from the States or Canada. But I think when we talk about uh, putting uh, syrup on our pancakes when we were growing up, it was kind of like this big, thick maple syrup that was really 
uh, almost like a corn syrup uh, that we put on instead of maple syrup. So uh, <laughs> I don't know if that answers the question. <laughs> it does. But that's kind of it. <laughs> so, Bernie, as we were talking about these three breakfast options, Randy and I were saying as a kid, when you had a big day ahead of you, maybe a test or something, at least for me, my mom would make me pancakes or waffles. She would say, you need a good base for brain food. So we were talking <laughs> during the uh, the commercial break, and I said, I wonder what Bernie Federico's pregame meal looks like. When you know that you've got a big broadcast or there's a big blues game coming up, do you have a hearty breakfast? or do you go more healthy route? You know, I'm very rarely, Michelle, I had breakfast. I'm not a breakfast person. I never really have been. So I'm, I'm kind of, you know, uh, every once in a while I'll have a cereal or oatmeal or something. But, uh, I mean, I love to have breakfast on a, you know, on a Sunday morning or something, uh, uh, whether it be brunch or, or, or that. But even growing up, we were, I really wasn't much of a breakfast person. But, I mean, when I was playing, pregame meal was always the same. It was a steak and some pasta with some meat sauce and a salad and, uh, then, you know what, uh, upstairs or in the hotel room, you know, close the blinds and go to sleep for a couple of hours, which was always the greatest thing. That nap, the pregame nap was always was the best. I, I missed that. I, can't, I, I would love to be able to sleep in the afternoon. I don't think it's possible anymore, but uh, when I was playing, it was one of the highlights of the day. I was able to get that couple hours in before the game. It seems like in reading about pregame meals with what doctors have determined about nutrition, seems like the 2019 pregame meal is a lot different than the 1980 pregame meal. <laughs> yeah, I would expect, you know, what I, the guys really, I mean, Randy and Michelle, when I look at, you know, what the guys eat now, it just, it floors, floors me because if we would, if I would have ate that much when I was playing, I would have been playing at about 250. Uh, these guys, <laughs> they, they eat constantly. I mean, they have a, you know, they have breakfast in the morning that's already set up for them. And even when they go down to the, you know, to the enterprise, they've got breakfast, whatever they want. And then they have their little morning skate. I, I wouldn't be able to skate if I had a full stomach. But then they go and have pregame meal. And they even have a snack at 4 o'clock uh, before they even, uh, you know, get on the bus to go to the game. So it, it really blows me away how much they eat. But, yeah, they eat a lot different. I mean, uh, the nutrition that they have is much, much healthier than us, obviously. I mean, uh, they've got, you know... People that are working with them, nutritionists that, that tell them what they should eat, what's best for them. But we kind of was like, whatever worked for your brain more than I think your body. I think you were psyched up that this was going to be your pregame meal. A lot of guys had fish. You know, we always had ice cream and, and, and chocolate sauce, too. That was at the end of the pregame meal as well. And that's none of that anymore. So it's kind of, uh, there. It's, it's, I think it's more mental than it is physical. But obviously, with nutritionists, it's, it's much better for you the way they're being trained now. Well, Bernie, I hope the Blues players have not been overindulging in quarantine and they've been <laughs> listening to their nutritionists because Gary Bettman came out saying, hey, we're taking a big step towards the return of hockey. He talked about the different guidelines that the NHL is putting in place, the format of what we're going to see. And they said, hey, we're we've decided to go straight into a 2014 playoff. And one of the things that the Blues will have to experience is that even though they won the Central Division title, they're going to play in that round-robin tournament to determine seeding. What's your take on that? Do you like the fact that the Blues would have to play in that round-robin tournament to determine their seed? Well, they need to play something. I mean, whether or not it's in a round-robin, I mean, they need to get some some ice time in, some some timing that goes with games. And uh, to me, I mean, I understand the format. It's, it's great. I mean, it gives everybody an opportunity, you know, the five through, especially, the, the, you know, the bottom-tier teams. But really, to me, what's kind of... Uh, um, I think unfair is that when you see the top four seeds are going to play a round robin, I mean, you're playing against the best teams to try to get in a situation where you're getting your timing. This now all of a sudden you're playing against the best teams. You should probably be playing against the, the, the teams that are not going to make the playoffs uh, just to get some timing. in. so I think that's the only thing that I don't really like about it. But, um, 
you know what, it's not going to be uh, a normal year to get things done. I think that's what we all have to understand. Is it's, it's, it's still, I mean, the integrity of, of the Stanley Cup still has to stay there. So, and I think that's what everybody's trying to have happen here is that um, you've got to play some games. You're going to have to win, uh, you know, the 16 games to win the Stanley Cup still. Or so, I mean, everybody keeps talking about that maybe there should be an asterisk. I don't think there should be. I mean, it's a different format. Things happen in the course of, of the world in the course of life. I mean, we've seen a, a Stanley Cup awarded after just a 48 game schedule. They go back to what it was in the early 2000s, whatever it was when there was the lockout. So uh, things were different there and there shouldn't be an asterisk there either because you still have to win the amount of games you need to win the Stanley Cup. So uh, this gives, unfortunately, I think the bad part about right this, this gives uh, some teams uh, um, that shouldn't be there an opportunity uh, because they didn't finish the regular season. So I think that there are some, some teams that really have got a really good chance by, you know, winning a best of five series and all of a sudden they get a chance to, to be in the playoffs and where they probably shouldn't have been if there would have been a regular season. But, um, you know, there is no, I guess, fair way of doing this and, and whatever happens is good. And I think that uh, the guys will be just back to, uh, happy to be get back to playing hockey. Bernie Federico, as a Hall of Famer, you have a unique perspective that we as people who didn't play the sport, we don't have. And I want to ask you, what do you think the biggest challenge for a player will be? Having not played for three months, having not been on the ice for two and a half, as players come back to a brief training camp and these games, what do you think, as you look ahead, the biggest challenge for the players will be? Playing in front of no fans. I think that's going to be the biggest factor, Randy. I mean, uh, you know, we've talked about, we've had a lot of discussions I've had with my sons, too, is that, um, you know, I, I like the idea that it's going to be in, you know, one building. There's only going to be two buildings. And you know what? If it's in Vegas, I mean, they can do a lot of things in Vegas. I think that with crowd noise and this and that, I mean, I think that uh, the buildings all have the capability through their speaker system uh, to make it almost like virtual that, the, that there is people in the stands. I mean, if there's a home ice advantage for a certain team. I mean, I think that they're, they could probably put crowd noise in there that's booing or cheering. Or I think that uh, they can maybe do a lot of things, but I think that's going to be the biggest factor. It's no different to me right now. Yeah, I mean, it's been a pause to the season, but the pause of the season now has really become an off-season. So uh, the guys still train during the off-season. They're ready to go. I mean, they're going to have a three-week training camp like like always, but I think the the biggest thing is, is is no is no crowd, and and I think the second thing is getting yourself prepared mentally to know that this is only going to be a real short team time to, to go here. I mean, you're going to come in and say, hey, if, if I don't play well in a week or two, I'm going to be off uh, for the rest of the summer again. And if I play real well, I, I still got a chance of winning the cup, but I'm going to still have to, you know, be back playing again in December again. So I think that that's the mental stuff about what's going on. I think you just have to you know, take it one game at a time and not worry about uh, anything else other than playing the hockey that you have to do at that, that really at that one moment. Bernie Federico, Bernie Federico, you're the best. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. You guys have a great day. Go get some uh, waffles. <laughs> we will definitely do that. That's the Hall of Famer, Bernie Federico, in the Blues booth on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to have The Fight, and maybe we'll come up with a dad joke for you. I'm not sure. On 101 ESPN. Think you can beat down Carriker? We sure hope you can. The Fight with Carriker. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs on 101 ESPN. 
Welcome back to Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It's 8.32 in the morning, which means it's time for the fight. Colin is here with us. Colin, what are we fighting for this week? Our winner today will receive a Supplement Superstores gift card. Open regular store hours. Supplement Superstores is currently offering delivery, curbside pickup, and shipping while exceeding all CDC guidelines, including social distancing, for shopping in person to keep a safe environment. Sounds great. Let's welcome in our challenger today. Joe will be facing Randy. Joe, how are you doing this morning? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. You ready to go? Ready. All right. Question number one. On this day in 2017, Paul DeYoung hit a home run in his first career at bat in the ninth inning in a game against the Rockies. Which future Cardinal was pitching to DeYoung? Was it Tyler Webb, Greg Holland, or Bud Norris? Greg Holland. Question number two. On this day in 2003, Hall of Fame goaltender Patrick Waugh announced his retirement from the NFL or from the NHL. How many Stanley Cups did he win in his career? Was it two, three, or four? Four. All right, Joe. On this day in 2006, Barry Bonds passed Babe Ruth for second on the all-time home run li- home runs list. How many career home runs does Babe Ruth have? Is it 660, 714, or 755? 755. And question number four. Today is David Perron's 32nd birthday. How many teams has Perron played for? Is it three, four, or five? Uh, I think it's four. All right. Colin is on his way out to get Randy here. Joe, how are you feeling now that you've heard the questions? Where's your confidence level? Yeah, so-so. So-so. I understand. Until you know the answers, it's hard to feel very confident. All right, Randy is walking in. He's got a DDP, a Diet Dr. Pepper. <laughs> I always love to see what Randy... He always procures some sort of beverage when he's gone, and sometimes it's a Propel, sometimes it's a Diet Dr. Pepper, and it's interesting to see what kind of beverage mood he's in. So, Randy, what, is there a rhyme or reason to why you pick a Diet Dr. Pepper? Just uh, feel a little, little caffeine necessary. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. And it, I won't drink the whole thing, but it's just, you know, I, I guess I just have to, you know? At some times, I need a little caffeine. And I'm not a coffee guy, as you know. Do you think Dr. Pepper is underrated? Oh, Diet Dr. Pepper is the best. Yes, it's totally underrated. Dr. Pepper, uh, it's the the best caffeinated drink out there. Mm. All due respect to the others. Yeah, Diet Dr. Pepper is the king. See, I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going root beer. I love a good root beer, especially in a glass bottle. So I'm going to go root beer. But I think people do not give enough respect and love to Diet Dr. Pepper. It's great. Have you ever had Fitz's root beer? Oh, yeah. It's great, isn't it's it? the best. Yeah. Shout out Fitz's. No doubt. All right, Randy. Question number one. Oh, first of all, say hello to Joe, your challenger. Joe, I'm so how are you sorry, doing? Joe. Good. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. You bet. Like locked in on the root beer talk here. All right, Randy. On this day in 2017, Paul DeYoung hit a home run in his first career at bat in the ninth inning in a game against the Rockies. Which future Cardinal was pitching to DeYoung? So this was three years ago. His, I rem- it was ninth inning home run because he came up and got there in the middle of the game. And I'm not remembering off the top of my head who was pitching. It was a future Cardinal. Future Cardinal. I'll do the lifeline. Was it A, Tyler Webb, B, Greg Holland, or C, Bud Norris? Because Greg Holland is the only one of those pitchers to have pitched with the Rockies, I'll go with Greg Holland. (laughs) 
Question number two, Randy. On this day in 2003, Hall of Fame goaltender Patrick Waugh announced his retirement from the NHL. How many Stanley Cups did he win in his career? He won in his rookie year, and then he won three more. He won another one with Montreal, and then he won two with Colorado. And uh, when he won, I believe, if I'm not mistaken... That there have only been a couple of guys since Wah who have won the Stanley Cup in their rookie year. Goalies, Jordan Bennington and Matt Murray, I think, are the only other two. So what's your final number? Four. Okay, just wanted to double check. Uh, Randy, on this day in 2006, Barry Bonds passed Babe Ruth for second on the all-time home runs list. How many career home runs does Babe Ruth have? 714. And question number four today is David Perron's 32nd birthday. How many teams has he played for? David Perron has played for the Blues, the Oilers, the Penguins, the Ducks, the Knight, Golden Knights. So those five. So it was Blues, traded to the Oilers, traded to Pittsburgh, um, came back to the Blues, taken by Vegas. And then back to the Blues again. So do I have five there? Blues, Oilers, Penguins, Ducks. Did he play for the Penguins? Uh, I'm going to go with five. Blues, Oilers, Penguins, Ducks, Knights. I'm going to go five. We have a winner. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. That Diet Dr. Pepper served you well, Randy. Clean sweep. Sorry, Joe, he beat you 4-2. to two. Greg Holland was the pitcher who gave up a home run to Paul DeYoung in his first career at bat versus the Rockies. Patrick Waugh has won four Stanley Cups in his career, as Randy mentioned, two with Montreal, two with Colorado. Ba- or excuse me, Babe Ruth has 714 career home runs. And David Perron, shout out David Perron, happy birthday, has played for five teams, the Blues, Oilers, Penguins, Ducks, and Knights. Joe, thanks so much for playing. Thank you. Have a good day. You too, Joe. And, of course, you can participate in the... It's not at 4 o'clock anymore. It's just the fight at 8.30. And text us, 65780, with the word fight, anytime before 7 o'clock. Now, after 7 o'clock and before 8 o'clock. How about that? Every day. And we'll pick out a participant, and we'll do that. So, Michelle, uh, these two goldfish are in a tank, and one says to the other, Hey, do you know how to drive this thing? (laughs) Thanks for the dad, Joe Carricker. <laughs> Do you just have these in your back pocket, ready to go every day? You betcha. <laughs> every time you say the jokes, I imagine you in like cargo shorts, you know, getting ready to mow the lawn. Uh, I'm grilling, and I'm Listening wearing to white, Dan. Wh- white New Balance, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, with socks. Yeah. So <laughs> scrunch down socks. You have to have those. Those are a must if you're a dad. If you're doing the the dad joke starter pack, you definitely need a comfortable walking shoe. Right. You, I mean, in my dad starter pack, there's an ice cold beer in your hand. Uh-huh. You know, I definitely need some sort of classic rock playing in the background. Right. That I always helps. my default is Steely Dan because I feel like Love dads it. live for Steely Dan. Um, and then what's the, what's another thing we need? It could be cargo shorts. It could be some sort of like, uh, you know, number one dad T-shirt. No. Cargo shorts 
and I don't go with the number one, the the dad one. That never works for me. What what about a a, a dry fit golf polo? There you go. That was what I was going to say. Okay. It's gotta, and, and generally for me. In dad mode, it's untucked because I'm out by the grill. So I've got the the untucked golf shirt, cargo shorts, as you said, the uh, the scrunched up socks with the the white New Balance, which I have several pairs of. And yeah, I'm getting ready to barbecue, and I gr- I grill a mean burger. <laughs> dad mode activated. Yeah, totally. And then I got a joke or two for the kids. Love it. I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> this is Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're talking about having broadcasters actually have to broadcast from their basement or a studio. Could that wind up being a bad thing? That's next here on 101 ESPN. Michelle, it was interesting that Bernie Federico said he thinks the biggest challenge for players when hockey comes back will be playing before no fans. And we talked to Danny Mack and Chris Kerber and John Kelly about broadcasting, perhaps remotely, but with no fans. And it's one thing to do a talk show from home, and a lot of people at our station have done that. I think it'll be very difficult without the energy of fans and without the energy of an arena if broadcasters have to do their games from a studio or from their home, it's going to be hard to be as energetic as you would ordinarily be in a broadcast booth. You've done a show from home. I've done shows from home. It's a very weird experience because when you're broadcasting, whether it's in a studio here or especially if you're a broadcaster at a game, you have to elevate your voice. Mm-hmm. You're put. I think that's one thing people don't really understand about our profession is after this three hours is done, we're spent because you're you're really projecting and you're putting a lot of energy into your movements and into your delivery. And when you're broadcasting a live game, that's heightened times a hundred because you're trying to combat the crowd noise and and you want to deliver an energetic call that matches the moment and so you're really putting a lot into it so it's going to be very weird for broadcasters to bring that same energy when you're not competing with the crowd noise and and you're not feeding off the energy of the fans when we talk about players I mean, think think about the what Enterprise felt like during the Stanley Cup mm-hmm. final run. It was electric. You would walk into that building and they would play that pregame video and it felt like the roof was going to blow off the place. And we, we talk about how that's going to impact players, that big game feel. It's going to be the same thing for broadcasters. Joe Buck talks about being over the top. When you're in a booth or when you see him broadcasting, his enthusiasm in the booth, you say, man, he's going crazy. But... It doesn't translate that way. He just sounds enthusiastic, like he's really into it on TV. And Dan is the same way. We're fortunate here. If you watch baseball like you do and I do around the country, and you listen to some of the broadcasters that are broadcasting baseball like it's golf, if they're doing it from their basement, there are going to be real problems. If that's one of the avenues that baseball has is uh, broadcaster bro- broadcasters broadcasting from outside the ballpark without a crowd. When I was at the network, we had a bunch of TVs in our studios and we had access to all the local feeds for all the games. And so I would work at night and I would watch the Cardinals games and I would always have one Cardinals broadcast on our on our home stations, Fox Sports Midwest, and then I would watch the opposing one as well, and I would b- bounce back and forth because it's rare that you really get to hear and sample a lot of other teams' home mm-hmm. broadcasts. And yes, it's a little bit of Harriet the Homer, but we are so lucky to have the broadcast teams that we have in St. Louis, whether it's on the radio here on 101 ESPN with Curbs and Joey, we talk about Danny Mack in the booth. I mean, across the board, outstanding. And 
they, they're going to bring the energy. And I don't mean to disrespect other broadcasters, but some of them, you feel like they're not necessarily paying attention the way mm-hmm. that they should. Or you're right, the tone of the game is more of a, of a steady flow. It's not, it doesn't have that high energy. And I wonder how much it's going to be compounded when they're sitting in their basement and they don't have the fans' energy to feed off of or they don't have their partner right next to them you know, engaging with them the way they do. How they're going to be able to balance that and make it an entertaining experience for the fans. And I think they could take a cue from Boog Shambi and Eduardo Perez. They're doing the KBO from their homes, the Korean baseball organization on ESPN. And one of the things I think, Michelle, that brings some flavor to that is that the players are so enthusiastic and they have a mic in the dugout so that you can hear the players cheering and clapping and having fun. And they've got four or five people that are cheerleaders, essentially, and they're making some noise. I think that's necessary, too. But the energy that those guys are bringing, in addition to the noise, makes it sound more normal. Not completely normal, but more normal than you'd think it would. And players need to accept that, and they need to run with it, and mm-hmm. they need to say, hey, our energy and our personalities and letting the viewer and the and the broadcast in on what we're talking about and providing that sort of a flavor for the fans is going to be huge because it's not going to look the same. It's not going to feel the same. It's going to take a while for us to adjust to this new reality of what games are going to look and sound like without fans in the stands. I mean, we we played David Freeze's home run. We, t- we talk about game yep. six. So much of the beauty of that call is, is Joe Buck letting the fans' reaction breathe and hearing the eruption of the crowd. And people are going to complain. That's that's what's going to happen because it's uncomfortable for us and it's not going to have that same excitement level. But I think if you have the broadcasters on board, you have the players on board and you have the producers doing things that can bring a different look or a different uh, a different vibe to the broadcast, people are just going to be happy to have live sports. It is one of our favorite days of the week. It's the day the new Small Talk podcast (laughs) dropped. Coming up on the next edition of Small Talk. It's Small Things from Small Talk on 101 ESPN. So, Randy, I think the last time we talked about my podcast, Small Talk, find it on Apple Podcasts, search for it, subscribe, rate, review, please. But uh, we, my co-host Steve Cerruti and I have been doing this thing called Small Talk Investigates because we would talk about things that you hear stories about things or you acknowledge things that are just commonplace in society and you have a lot of questions and it doesn't really seem like those questions are ever truthfully answered. So we spoke to Matt, uh, a man who was married and had an affair and we talked about you know the, the logistics behind it, the emotions behind it, things like that. And so Steve and I were kicking around different things that we were curious about and I said I'm really curious about Instagram models because social media is such a common thread in all of our lives and it just seems like one day we woke up and said, yeah, she's an Instagram model. He's an Instagram model. But there's a lot of questions that come with that. How does this become your profession? How much do you get paid? Who's taking these photos of you? Where are you taking these pictures? Where are all these amazing locations that you're going to? And who's footing the bill for all of this? How how many followers do you have? Do you buy your followers? All of these things. So we put out the call and we were connected with Maddie Moore, who's a native St. Louisan. She's an Instagram model. Follow her on Instagram at the Maddie Moore. Be sure to look her mm-hmm. up. And we asked her a lot of a lot of these questions. She was very transparent and open. 
open about it. And one of the questions that I had for her, because she's a swimsuit and lingerie model, she really puts it all out there, is... Literally. Literally. Yeah, don't Google her on your work computer, heads up. (laughs) I said, I said, you know, I can imagine what that's like for you to be putting your body out there like this, for you to be dressed in lingerie and, and putting it on social media. We asked her about how her dad would feel about this, how her boyfriends would feel about this. And I said, what's it like in the female circles that you have? Because women can oftentimes be very judgmental of other women. And she gave a very honest answer about some of the the haters that she has to deal with. Girls giving me a hard time back home because it used to like really hurt my feelings. I'm like, I'm literally like getting paid to model and post a lot of new pictures. And of course, people are haters. And you know, the weird thing about St. Louis is that, and I, well, it's everywhere, of course, but I feel like a lot of people in St. Louis make fake Instagrams, <laughs> for example. I remember on Christmas, I'll never forget this, this Christmas, someone like sent me this long message and it was like from a fake profile and it was like, oh, you're a transvestite, your meal prep business is a joke, like all these weird and I'm just like, hey, like you literally are trying to ruin my Christmas, really? And I just kind of got upset because I was like, don't come for my, you can say what you want about me, like. We're all, we all think someone's ugly, right? Like, that's fine. But, like, don't come for my business and, like, me trying to help people for a living and, like, whatever. Anyways, I, like, cried about it at dinner and my dad was like, are you okay? And I'm just like, dude, I, like, brush off these comments all the time. But sometimes it's like your skin can't keep being thick all the time. Well, like, um, <laughs> who calls their dad dude? I don't call it. I don't call my dad, dude. And that's one of the questions I had for her is I was like, you know, as a girl who's also from St. Louis and who has a Midwestern father, uh, that I am an I am an adult. OK, but if I was posting photos like that on social media, my dad would he would be at my door and he would be like, what are you doing? And she said her dad is very supportive and very cool with it. And he understands that this is her profession. Do you think, because you know women from all over the country, really all over the world. Yes, I am an international. I am, I'm, you are. I mean, I'm an international well, citizen, citizen are. of the world. You, 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 you have seen the world, <laughs> Michelle. So my question is this, is girl-on-girl crime indigenous to St. Louis? It's she said not. it's all over, but it seems like that would be prevalent pretty much everywhere. It is, but she went on to say she moved to L.A. and there's many more women in L.A. who are lingerie models and swimsuit models that are also on the Instagram scene that yeah. have kind of joined her circle. Whereas, I mean, just just imagine the, the women that you know in your daily life. If all of a sudden you pulled up their Instagram and instead of, oh, hey, I made burritos for dinner is, hey, here's me in lingerie. You uh-huh. would have in St. Louis, we would have some questions. Yeah. It's just what we do. Yeah. Now, one of the things about L.A. is that there is there's a lot of plastic. And she was pretty transparent about that, too, right? She was. And we, we talked about that, about pressures that she might feel in, in the Instagram world to enhance herself or to look a certain way. And she acknowledged that, yeah, that's that's something that she deals with. But I think when people look at Instagram models, they think, okay, you're in these fancy houses, you're jetting all over the world, you're making money, you look great, your DMs are probably popping with people telling you how great you look all the time. But they don't realize that there are people that look at her and by her putting herself out there in that way are inherently going to hate her and be really mean. And I just, I can't imagine that somebody would take the time on Christmas to make a fake profile to tell her all these terrible things about herself and send it to her. But I will say this, we'll leave the small talk 
conversation with this. I asked her if there was any famous people in her DMs, and she reveals... She doesn't say a name, but she gives us some breadcrumbs of an athlete that DMs her and all of her friends at the same time and then deletes it. She she goes through how athletes slide into your DMs, but they don't they they don't leave any clue that they were there if you don't engage with Interesting. them. Interesting. Now, two quick things. Number one, is this lucrative for her? We, we, because you'd think that, oh, model, Instagram, and we read and hear about some that are making a lot of money. Is it lucrative for her? It is, but I asked her how much she's ever made per post, and she said $1,500 for a package deal of posts, which is not a small amount of money, mm-hmm. but certainly not enough for you to probably be able to make a full-time living doing yeah. it. And so she has a meal prep service as well, but you read about the Kardashians making a million dollars per post or celebrities making $500,000 per post. The average Instagram model is not making that much money off Instagram. And then one other question, like if I like what I'd like to like become <laughs> like a male Instagram model, like do they have them? Like, yeah, Randy, they do. Uh, I think it's like more like fitness. Okay. You know, so, so, not- so just get your swole on in the gym and like we can make it happen for you. It ain't happening. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm. that's one thing that we just, I, I wonder if there are like Instagram models that date like other Instagram <laughs> models. Like, I wonder if that happens if they meet on Instagram. Yeah. And what do you do? I'm an Instagram model. Oh, I'm an Instagram model too. It's like, cool. Want to take my photos? Cool. Want to help me with my lighting? Cool. Connect me with this photographer. You know what they say, Randy? You don't date within your own industry. No, you have to. If you're a female Instagram model, you have to find a pro quarterback or something, don't you? You I. So Rudy, a troubled pro quarterback. Sure, definitely. And preferably one that's not also DMing your roommate. Yeah. But she she did, uh, Saruti did ask her, are there Instagram rivalries, like a Jordan Barkley rivalry on the Instagram scene? And she said that since she's moved to L.A., all of the other Instagram models she's hung out with have been very supportive. You, uh, you got to hear this episode of Small Talk. How can people hear it again? Head to Apple Podcasts or Podcast One, search for Small Talk. It's a black box with white writing. And you want to... Not just rate it high, rate it, but rate it highly. You yeah, want, five stars. Yeah, five stars all the way. Or I've posted it on Twitter and Instagram at M Smallman. If there you, you just want the link right there, click it. Coming up next on Character and Smallman, today's big thing on 101 ESPN. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.